laugh at this next part. In a world of political correctness and cancel culture, two comedians have risen up to prove that with the right angle, anything can be funny. This is You Can't Laugh at That. Who writes these? Who huh? should have this person locked up and looked at? Live from Golden Ox Studios in Cleveland, Ohio, it's Steve Mers and David Horning on this week's episode. Most people who are politically incorrect probably are assholes. And if they're super champion, like, well, I can say what I want, like, well, that probably means people don't want you to be saying that uh, because it's not a good thing to say. Um, but when you're uh, among friends or I think more uh, specifically, people who believe and trust that you are a good person, that's when it can really be like you can actually have fun with being politically incorrect because you're at this level. It's like a sleepover level where you're all on the same page. Even whatever you're saying, we all know that it's in good fun. Like there's no malice behind it. Um, and that's like where you, that's the ideal spot to be in on stage. That's like when you're truly in the pocket, when everyone knows you're joking. And even if you say something that's objectively on paper shitty, mm-hmm. he's just kidding. Can't get enough of You Can't Laugh at That? Check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash you can't laugh pod. And when you become a patron, you'll get exclusive access to deleted footage from every episode. You'll be the talk of the town. Your friends will think you're the coolest person ever. Patreon.com forward slash you can't laugh pod. Find all sorts of new reasons to laugh at your friends for not being as cool as you. What made you want to start get, getting into comedy? Like, what was the moment you were like, oh, I'm good at this? And what was that thing that you noticed you were good at? Well, it's interesting because we're talking about political incorrectness uh, as kind of a theme. I did this uh, in college. I was in a sketch group, a sketch and improv group. And, um, and that's where I, you know, kind of started figuring out that I wanted to do some kind of comedy uh, thing. And I wrote, I wrote this sketch, and this ties into the... Uh, the bit I wrote this sketch about um, going back in time to kill Hitler, but if you but going back a little too far in time, so you accidentally gave him the idea to mm-hmm. do like, like he didn't even know what you were talking about, and you know you, so that sketch I played Hitler, uh, and I I had to set ground rules for a lot of the actors, like because the words you use are so important, especially when you're touching something that's kind of sensitive, like the Holocaust and you know Hitler and Nazis. Um, I'm like, no one can say Jew. You can say Jewish person. You can't say Jew because that's going to just shut people's minds off. Like certain words uh, really make people, you know, question the intent of what you're doing. So then that kind of relates to this bit. It's like the word choice. It took me a while to find the right words to make sure that people knew that I was not racist and also that I would that they could trust me to, to laugh at this. You can't laugh at that. Let's just dive right into your bit. Let's dive right Let's in. Do it. There's there's a lot there. It's only a minute long, but I but I feel like there it's 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 a wonderful, beautiful onion that can be unpeeled, and there's layers to it. And I don't even know if you uh, if you intended it to be that way, but as I watched it a couple times and I'm taking notes, I was like, oh, that's a really smart thing he did. I always keep an onion on my desk to remind me of what yeah. I'm for. Right, <laughs> just, it made me cry. So good, yeah. great. I cut. Yeah, you really slice right. into the bit. <laughs> Let's and, do uh, it. It makes you weep. 
Um, so do you, you want me to just give a quick intro about yeah, it? Yeah, go for it. Well, okay. So it's so funny because you, my mom doesn't, she doesn't hate this bit. She doesn't like this bit because she's like, people are going to think we're racist. Our family's racist. And I'm like, no one's going to think. And then Dave Horning sent me a message like, Hey, do you know any other comedians who talk about their racist families? So this is a true ish story. So we were playing charades um, and it wasn't China. So you'll see in the bit, but the, the country wasn't China. It was Bhutan, which is an Asian country. So, but like nobody knows Bhutan. So I'm not going to, have Bhutan in the bit. Um, so I changed it to kind of a more general thing. And, but that was true is, 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 you know, my cousin got an Asian country, um, and pretty quickly had to make a decision on what she, how she wanted to play this. Um, and if she wanted to really win the game. All right. Take it away. Zach Russell from February, 2020. <laughs> I come from a pretty competitive family. Um, I'm competitive, but they take it too far. Like, we were playing charades a few years ago. You can tell how competitive your family is by how they will act out the word China in a game of charades. Yeah, whatever you're covering your mouth for, that's what happens. <laughs> if you get China in charades, you have two choices. You can be politically correct, or you can win. Those are your options. Choose wisely. Right? You can be a good person or a champion. That's how the fortune cookie crumbles. I'm not lying. So I didn't do it. My cousin did it. But once you cross that line in charades, it becomes a different game. You know, so I'm up next. I'm acting out a popular cartoon character. This is what I do for my act out. I'm like, one word. Whoop, whoop, whoop. My uncle's like, Jew. I'm like, fucking Pinocchio, Bill. Are you crazy? How does this even symbolize... Controls the media. That's insane. Very inappropriate build. <laughs> All right, and that whoop whoop was uh, was him uh, <laughs> like mimicking a, a long nose, yes, uh, in a very cartoonish way. Which I think that works for Pinocchio. That works perfectly for Pinocchio. But right. All right. Well, uh, I guess we should introduce the show first. Uh, welcome to You Can't Laugh at That, the podcast where we take topics you can't laugh at and we find ways to laugh at them in the never-ending quest to prove that anything can be funny. With us today, the person that you just heard and have been listening to or speaking for the last few minutes is Zach Russell, a comedian based out of New York now, originally from Maryland, moved to Boston, uh, cut his teeth in comedy there. And uh, he's he's been in comedy festivals, plural festivals. Plural. All right, cool. Because uh, we met at the Cleveland Comedy Festival, and uh, his his uh, his TikTok, his video of uh, his mom watching Hamilton on Disney Plus has uh, about two hundred thousand views on YouTube. I haven't seen where it's at on TikTok, but it's a very funny uh, bit. So we've got a, a viral megastar on our hands here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you guys want autographs or if, if you need any merch for me to send you, but uh, I'll, con I'll put you in contact with my publisher. So, all right. So let's talk about that bit, because today we're going to talk about political incorrectness, politically incorrect people. Uh, we're not, you know, enough comedians talk about uh, people being politically correct. I want to talk about people who are actually being politically incorrect and uh, what's funny there and how to make that funny, especially to people who are oversensitized to that. Joining us today uh, is Steve Mers, 
are loyal and... I thought you were going to skip me. No, of course not. I, I was going to do a bit that no one can see as usual. <laughs> you are in the shadows. Yeah, look, I'm in witness protection. <laughs> <laughs> or no, what is it? Not witness protection. That thing where Jeremy... Change my voice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I know Steve has some thoughts on political correctness and incorrectness because he's a comedian. We all do. So and we're, uh, let's and we're on this bit. podcast. Yeah, we're on this podcast. That's really one of the things that we wanted to do when we started this podcast is reach out to people who are offended by jokes and say, no, 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 there is something funny here. Like, there are ways to cope with... You're fucking wrong, all right? Yeah. (laughs) Also, sarcasm, irony, and um, satire are a thing, so... Yeah, nuance in general. Right. So so that's why I thought you would be a great guest, Zach. Uh, Kind of take us through the, the crafting of this bit. How did it originate... Uh, and, and, uh, you know, what was the original thought where you were like, oh, this is funny. Yeah, well, it was, I mean, as with a lot of bits, it starts at, from a very not funny situation, uh, where in the moment you're like pretty uncomfortable. Everyone's like, oh my God. Um, and a lot of my bits, uh, do emanate from that, whether it's like, you know, a place of sadness or loss or, or, you know, mental health, or I guess in this case, just total discomfort of everyone in the family room as my cousin pulled her eyes back to, to, uh, imitate an Asian country that people got immediately. Everyone was like, Oh, that's what it was. (laughs) So it's weird because in, uh, as you know, I was saying this a little earlier, the word choice was super, important and and just getting to the the meat of the joke like I was looking in my in my notes of like previous revisions of this and um and at no point in the bit do I actually mention anything about eyes or like you know anything that that could make people really be you know cringe and make it a little more visceral for people and so I used to in in the initial versions I had like you know you there's a there's a clear clear path from A to B and it's called eyes or so, you know, I would kind of paint the picture more. Um, but that would make people more uncomfortable, less trusting of me, less really willing to laugh. They're like, is this guy racist, you know, or is this guy making fun of a racist? Uh, so that's the line that you have to walk with, with something like this. And that line is generally defined by how quickly can you convey to the people that this is funny. Mm-hmm. So I really had to, to, to narrow it down to like, if you get China in charades, you can be politically correct or you can win. And it started uh, actually kind of at the inverse, which is uh, you can be racist or you can lose. And that was the kind of original. And then I talked to some friends and they liked politically correct or you can win better. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely gone through some iterations. Sure. Yeah. It's very tight. Uh, it's, it, I mean, it's about a minute and, and 10 seconds or so. Uh, was there a longer version of the bit that you whittled down to that when, when you really honed in on what's actually funny? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure originally it was like two minutes, uh, which probably included me being like to the audience, like, what, you guys don't think this is funny? Like <laughs> 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 at the audience, <clears throat> you're racist. I don't even th- think at the end of the bit, I also didn't have the, the twist of the controls the media thing. I think uh, it was just, you know, it's like with, with every bit you think it's finished and then you, you write that one last line that you're like, okay, now I think it's over, you know? Um, 
Yeah, but it was definitely, it was probably one minute, 30 seconds. You know, I'm, I'm trying to convey to people like, what else are you going to do? Act out the great wall. It's like, these are unnecessary details that people don't need to really understand what happens in that family room. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, I feel like you've softened it, but yet preserved its effectiveness. So it's like, at least that, that's what it seems like to me. So, yeah. Yeah. That's the, that's the beauty of, of comedy. Like comedy is just figuring out to, to how to say something in a different way. So you're saying the same thing. I mean, there's any number of ways to say it. Like you were saying, like you can come across as, is this guy racist? Or you can get your point across in a way that makes people laugh. And that's, that's tight and punchy and, and true. And you and you're, kind of, you're kind of incepting the audience into, into making their own picture of what happened. Like you're presenting them the bare basic information for them to connect the dots in their head. And then they, they're like, Oh, I get it. Oh, that is funny. Um, right. Which like we all I, do with a lot of jokes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I have a bit about uh, not being able to find a plunger in that, <clears throat> like a party. And I never say shit or poo or any gross word that would make people like grossed out. Like, cause you don't have to, to convey the embarrassment of having to ask, where's the plunger? You know, it's like, the, the words you use are really important because people shut down sometimes. They're like, oh, he's gross. He's racist. You know, whatever. Right. It's like yeah. you, you let them come to the conclusion. You let them say the word or, or picture the thing. So it's, it's them that's doing it. It's not you that's saying it. It's even though you are, yeah. you know, you give them one plus one and they feel better because they're like, oh, two. They'll go as far as they're comfortable with in their head. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you don't take them to a place where they're not ready to go yet because they right. get themselves. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's beautiful. Uh, and and <laughs> even, you know, even ex- being a, an experienced comic, you make that mistake sometimes. And oh yeah, you know you're telling a joke that's funny and you're like, why is the audience not connecting with this yet? Oh, because I'm telling them like what to think or I'm telling them what to picture instead of giving them the clues and then they figure it out. That's way more fun. Yeah, especially if it's kind of a hard topic. Like, I remember my friend has this great joke about, like, a, a, an Alexa or something called the police on 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 a household where the guy was, like, beating up his wife or something. And he's like, could you believe that? A robot capable of betrayal? <laughs> it's it's about, and I think that's hilarious. Some people, I mean, it, it, it goes either way, you know, based on the show. But um, so it's a domestic abuse joke, but it's it's kind of a trick where he's not, you know, you only get that in the very last word that he's like on the wrong side or something. So it's, I don't know, cut that out. I'm going to kill myself. No, no, it's, no. It, I like it because I mean, I, I laughed and that was, that was a totally subconscious reaction. I didn't even think about like what you were yeah. saying until I finished laughing. I was like, Oh, that's- I, I liked it too. So yeah. yeah. Well, Jonathan Tilson is the comic. He's a very funny man. Yeah. All right. He'll be on the next episode. We'll talk about domestic <laughs> violence. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good topic. I mean, yeah. Right. We haven't gotten there yet. Right, right with um, comedic potential. Yeah, that's that's one thing that we. <laughs> <laughs> that's one thing that we've because uh, at first we were like, oh, there's only so many things that we can talk about. But I mean, mm-hmm. you're going to be, I think, episode forty-one. Yeah, you know, and we still haven't even broached some of the some of the more sensitive topics. So it's 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 cool how we've uh, just been able to unpeel the onion in this case. That's going to be we're going to keep. Going back to that, but going back to your point about giving the audience one plus one, uh, I think that is that's really what we want to talk about here today. Um, it, any topic that's like this, you have to give them you you can't give them the whole picture. 
if, because they'll draw their own conclusions about you. Um, you talk about your competitive family. And so it kind of, it sets the scene very simply. Again, this is a bit that's a minute and 10 seconds. So you have to be concise. You have to be quick about it and you have to move on to keep the audience with you. But one thing that you do is, um, you know, you bring up getting China in charades and, uh, or you can tell how competitive your family is by how they act out the word China in charades. And, uh, and then you pause and an audience member, what covers their mouth or something. Yeah, that was a, um, I actually forgot. That's kind of a part that evolved too, because you know, that, that in itself could get some gasps or some like, Oh no, what is he going to, where is he? And so sometimes I would address that in kind of a ham fisted way and it wouldn't work, but it evolved to the point where I would find someone in the audience who laughed or, or had any reaction. And I'm like, whatever you're thinking, that's what happened. And just to, you know, let them know that I'm with them. I I'm, I'm with you. This is a weird, this is a bad thing that happened. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. We're on the same team here. Uh, yes. that, that's a, that's a tool that I use. You know, I have a few jokes where, where the audience goes, Oh, and that's how I respond immediately. Like, no, I'm on your side. <laughs> We're on the same team here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like for Biglia has a great, and it's two words. He says something, the audience gasps. He's like, I know. <laughs> yeah, he does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was there. <laughs> It's one of those things where if you um, if you start out your set too, it helps. Like you gotta, you, they've got to think you're funny already. They got to really like you, and then yeah, they've got to trust you. And then if you if you can't get those two things going, or at least one of those things going strong, then there's no point in going into those jokes. Or like you can, but your odds of failure are obviously much higher. So yeah, do you ever open with this bit? I actually used to a lot more. Now I kind of. Uh... I don't open with it. I I'll, it, it'll be in the middle or I'll like close with it. Um, I usually use it as like a closer. I mean, this was in the middle of a tape that I just cut off at five minutes, but yeah, I mean, it, you can open with it. I can, I've, it. Sometimes it goes well because it just gets right into it, but it kind of lets me know how the rest of the set's going to go. Okay. It's a good litmus. So the line, politi- you can be politically correct or win. I love that line. I love that line. Uh, and then you kind of add a tag to it to reiterate that point. You can be a good person or a champion. Have you tried other <laughs> ways of, of, you know, delivering that point? Let me, let me look, you know, because I, uh, I was going to the archives here. You can either uh, take the moral high ground or you can claim victory. You know, it's just, <laughs> right. there's yeah. like, there's just so many, you know, it's the source. We right. all know the comics. We know how to, Right. How many different ways can you say the same thing? Right. Until people stop laughing. <laughs> Test them all out. See yeah. Which ones are best. Cut it down to a good amount and not overdo it. And there you go. Right. Yeah. And then, um, yeah. So, I mean, I think that was just a line that just was kind of a natural second tag of just reiterating the same point. And then the, um, what do I say next? Oh yeah. That's how the fortune cookie crumbles. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just think that's funny. <laughs> I was thinking, seriously, I was thinking there, I'm like, how offensive can that be to people? I don't personally, but I'm also not Chinese, but it's also like, sure. I think that's generally a very benign thing to say. Um, it is yeah. a cultural I don't thing. Think, it's not yeah. directly racial. It's it's a cultural, and it's just cookies. And it's like, what, <laughs> do they not have fortune cookies? Like, I'm, just, I'm just racializing uh, an idiom. That's all. I'm just making an idiom of a specific culture. That's really all yeah. I mean. Yeah. Oh, you know how we're talking about China? Well, here's a 
you know, a Chinese accoutrement. Right. There you <laughs> go. Like word association. Like people are kind of dumb. Like, yeah. I mean, I guess that's how the cookie crumbles uh, is like a phrase that you use when you're like, this is, that's just what happens. That's the conclusion. So it just felt like a natural little fun. And yeah, but it's the third beat too. So yeah. uh, I, I, I think if that's the second beat, it doesn't do as well. I mean, right. I Maybe you've done that and been like, oh, no, I need another thing here. <laughs> then you, uh, you, you, you take it into, you know, it's a different game once the, uh, once the, the, the Chinese eyes come out. And then uh, you go into <laughs> your, to your own, like you're the, uh, not the subject of the joke here, but, you know, you're the one who gets the, who's doing the charade and you're doing the mm-hmm. nose thing. So the little act out part, um, the, the noise, like kind of take us through the, the development of that part of the bit. Yeah. So yeah, once you cross that line in charades, it becomes a different game. And then, so people are, um, and I watched old clips of myself saying that, and I actually noticed, I didn't like how I was saying it, uh, you know, even like a year ago, because it's, it was like, it becomes a different game. Like you can really unleash what you want to talk about, you know? And it's like, that's not really what I was going for. It was more just like people now feel a little more, um, willing to just, go hog wild with their act outs. That was kind of like you enter. I mean, it's just like a a heightening tool. Like if this is true, then this is true. Um, And so full transparency that the, and this is why my mom doesn't like it. The China thing happened. The Jewish, the Pinocchio Jewish thing did not happen. That's the joke. That's just a joke. So um, my mom's like, well, that if it happened, but it didn't happen. And so I'm like, sorry, mom, that's, Hey, baby. Uh, Boom. <laughs> yeah. If you would have actually done that, it would be a true story. But here we mm-hmm. are. I have to heighten. But but with the with the Pinocchio kind of Jewish, you know, nose stereotype connection, um, that, that I've also explored other things. If you know, but like that was the that was the most heightened while still being the most benign. Like I couldn't do like, you know, a mentally challenged per and then act that out. Like no one's going to go with me on that. It's not even really funny. So I act out um, Pinocchio and then my uncle says Jew and that's, you know, a whole thing. And, and then I kind of flip it around. The fun part about that bit to me is that I can chastise my uncle for thinking that this, you know, like doing a, no, uh, a nose motion is uh, associated with a Jewish person because that's a stereotype. And then I double down on a Jewish stereotype, which is that they control the media. So the audience is, is, is like, oh, no, his uncle's the bad guy. But then they're like, oh, no, he's the bad guy. And then I make fun of myself being the bad guy. You know, it's just a classic bob and weave, you know, mm-hmm. uh, of expectation. Um, but it can get, I mean, most people like the bit, but I have received a few comments since posting it online. It was like, you had me until the Jewish part. And I'm like, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a you problem and not a me problem because the audience was with me the whole way <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it's funny because you do you hear everyone who's laughing you don't hear people who aren't laughing and i'm sure there are people but that's just you can't please everyone you know Cosby no. said <laughs> the, the best way to pleasing no one is trying to please everyone yeah right especially if they're asleep oh yeah, yeah. no you yeah <laughs> uh do you actually have an uncle that that you would uh Suspect this of? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I could see it happening. 
uh, especially like a grandpa or something, you know, he'll just, we'll be like driving in the car just when I was a kid and he would just like say colored or something. And mm-hmm. I'm like, but he wouldn't even have any, like, he wouldn't have any malice. That's just how he was describing like these guys who came to work on his house or something. And he's right. so from an older time. So, um, in conclusion, my family is not racist. Yeah, okay. <laughs> That's what we wanted you to come out and say. You can't laugh at that. Well, I think political uh, incorrectness, like being politically incorrect, can be misconstrued as having malicious intent. <clears throat> In most cases, it's not. Um, There's tears to racism. It's not like overt malicious racism. It's... Um, like colloquial, like, uh, I mean, it's still obviously very bad, but it's like, it's not, uh, there's no intent there. Right. Intent, I think, is the biggest problem with racism. Well, there's, I don't want to, there's there's so much to unpack Steve's there. Steve's top 10 biggest problems about racism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't even like being A like podcast. I don't even having, I don't even like having an authoritative tone about it, but it's like, yeah, the intent is is like, but, um, you know, being, being like, oh, I grew up in the fifties. That's like, that's circumstantial, but it's like, if you, are you trying to make an effort to improve like that kind of thing? Like it's right. like, what, what's the, mm-hmm. you know, so. Well, yeah. I think the, I mean the, the bit and, and cause you know, I, I've even wondered if I should like not do this bit. Is it racist? Like I've thought about that and I'm wondering like why, people are laughing, like if they're laughing for the right reasons. And my hope and belief is that we're all laughing at the end of the joke because stereotypes are just ridiculous. Like controls the media is an insane um, uh, belief that some people have about, you know, this, the, 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 the mega Jews who are like in control of everything that we watch, read and consume, um, which is, uh, I hope no one's like, pulls that out as a sound clip of me. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, out of context. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, these super predators. No, um, but they, it, and that's just a ridiculous, like it's crazy. And so my hope is that by the end of the bit, we're all like, Oh, stereotypes are so dumb. Um, this like, it's, it's crazy to have that kind of generalization. And that's why I think it's funny is because it's so absurd to think that. Um, and it's so absurd that I wouldn't, you know, connect a, 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 a usual stereotype, like a physical feature. Uh, rather, I have this bigger worldview, you know? I'm like, you, you can't say that, uncle, because this is what's really going on with the Jews, okay? <laughs> the, thing with, the thing with comedy is weird. It's like you, are, you come out on stage, there's a whole audience. They don't know where, what level of understanding of the world you have. They, right. You don't know how, how much they understand about the world. So it's like you can't do these advanced, like, oh, I'm at this point in understanding racism and like how things work. You got to understand that I'm making fun of these stereotypes. They just can't tell sometimes. And it's like, you need to really spell it out. Like we've been explaining already. So it's like. And that's why it's better to do this bit near the end or the middle of a set when people are already like, okay, this is a a reasonable, good guy who doesn't have, you know, he's not, uh, not trying to, because when, when you're comedy is such a, uh, it's, I mean, you really establish a kind of a primal bond with the audience. Like you're going to say something and then they're going to have an involuntary response and, and they're just going to let you do that to them. Mm-hmm. If you take them to a place where they laugh or, you know, that's a vul- they have to open themselves up to your, everything you're saying and doing. So if you, if you let them into a place where they're not comfortable with, then they feel betrayed. Uh, they feel angry. Um, they're like, what the fuck? You know? So 
you got, yeah, it's, it's, it's a definitely a trusting relationship that you can, uh, that can go awry quickly if, if you say mm-hmm. the wrong thing or say it even in a wrong way. Right. Right. You're asking them to trust a total stranger. And then if you mislead them just a little bit, it, that's a great betrayal. Like you don't want that. Yeah. And then me just as a comic, just, I love when comics walk and I'm not saying that I, you know, do this, uh, but I'm just saying that, you know, great comics when they walk that tightrope, um, like a Jim Jeffries or, you know, Louie, rest in peace or, you know, whoever, <laughs> uh, they, they, they get through this, you know, eight minute bit where, you know, at seven times people should have walked out of the audience, but they kept them and they're laughing and they're dying. And just that tightrope walk is the, I don't know. It's kind of the pinnacle um, for me of like a great, great bit. Yeah. Yeah. Based off of what we know about this comedian, even though the tension is high right now, we trust that he's going to take us to a safe place and release that tension. Yeah. And then he can navigate these, you know, pretty choppy waters um, while still throwing in enough punches for you to be like, all right, I'll stick mm-hmm. with Mm-hmm. And, and you, I mean, so you put that joke about four minutes in, into this particular set. Um, you say it's in the middle. So you've obviously built a little bit of that social capital through your other bits. So they know that you're already funny. Um, but then you say one thing that, I mean, that connects them to the bit. And it's and it's just bringing up like China in charades because they're, everybody's picturing the same thing without you saying it. But it's like, how would they act out China? So they're, they're kind of like playing that out in their yes. heads. Like, oh, he's right. How yes. would I do that without? So it's almost putting them in the shoes of being politically incorrect. Like, shit, how would I do this? Like, how, how else? Yeah, at the end of the day, I mean, it's, it's kind of like, um, I think Norman has a bit about that. I mean, a few people have a bit about this. It's just like being politically correct is not super efficient. It's not like if, if, if some guy's about to get hit by a bus, you know, you'd, you'd be yeah. like that Asian guy instead of that, like that Pacific Islander. Oh, he's dead. You know, that's not his joke, but um, it's th- there. Yeah. It's just a certain efficiency, no emotion behind it. We, we all know that that would be the quickest way. Cause I had other versions of the bit where I'd be like, what are you going to act out the great wall or something? And mm-hmm. it wasn't as funny, but um, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think he's like that Asian American driver hit that African American man. Not that they're all not the drivers. Yeah. 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 He's walking through the street slowly. Not that that, not that that's something they do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Solid bit. He'll go far one day. Right. Yeah. He'll be all right. Norman. (laughs) He'll be all right. Um, So in this case, like you make people who are politically incorrect, the target of the joke uh, in a way that's endearing though. And it connects with people because of that, you know, how else would you act out China? Um, I think what you do well is that the audience is focused. Like you said, is focused on your, your uncle and your cousin as like the bad people. And then, mm-hmm. and then you, you twist it at the end, you sneak in those politically incorrect jokes, but you already have them on your team. So they're yeah, with but then you. in the end, it's like, I've been the bad guy the whole time. Yeah, right. <laughs> And, and your point that, you know, the Jews control the media, that's an absurd thing to say. Mm-hmm. If you were to just say that, people would be like, who is this guy? Like, what? We thought we were friends, but now. So the way yeah, you... Yeah, that's build- not a comedy show. That's a rally. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's great. Um, because if you just say that, there's no tension, Bill. You're just, you just, you know, you just become somebody they dislike. <laughs> um, the rest of the joke kind of builds that cognitive dissonance, the the, the competing thoughts 
and then uh, and then that one line kind of releases it like oh is this guy uh, a racist and but nobody who says the Jews control the media should be somebody that's taken seriously. Um, also, by so the end, like, I'm going like, that's very inappropriate, you know, yeah. naughty, naughty. And it's yeah. like, okay, we're all just laughing at everything now. I'm laughing yeah. at everyone I'm portraying, including myself. Right, right. You draw attention to the silliness. Like, in the end, in the end, that that's why I like to include, and that's kind of a scripted thing that I do. Like, it's very, you know, I'm like wagging my finger. Um, at the end, I'm like, guys, this is a joke. Like, we're all at a comedy show right now. Um and rarely do I have to say that, but I did say that recently <laughs> when, when a joke didn't go well. I think it was like, it was a joke about a kid from Stranger Things. And I'm like, I'm not a pedophile, but if I were, not him. And, uh, and everyone's like, ooh, I'm like, what do you guys want to fuck him? Like, this is a, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying I don't want to do that. It's right. Right. It's right. right. Be more open to your options. <laughs> it's like... It's like you're you're right. What are they trying to say there? Oh man, yeah. No, this is this is this is a great joke that builds that incongruity. Um, just the whole way through, it's you know you're you're you got two competing opinions. You get them to build those two conflicting thoughts uh, throughout the bit, and then and then you release the tension at the end really nicely. So it's a it's a it's just a tight, well constructed bit. So thanks, man. Well done. Well played. I remember thinking that when I saw it in the festival, I was like, oh, that's, I think that was, that, that was like the one bit that I really remembered um, from you. So. Oh, thanks, man. Too soon. You should never discriminate on someone based on their ethnicity, background, whatever, but on their behavior, maybe. And, and the, uh, like I'm in Brooklyn now and there's a lot of, there's just a high Hasidic uh, Jew population mm-hmm. and they're, um, there's just COVID has been running rampant through their community. And so I'll notice myself and it's so bad. I feel like I'm like, you know, 1942 era, just like uh, an evil person, but I'll like cross the street or something just because they're like not wearing a mask. And I've heard, and just statistically, you know, COVID is, is like, they're still gathering and stuff. So, you know, I'm just scared of COVID. I'm not scared of any one person. Yeah. You know. You're anti-Hasidic, not anti-Semitic. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> um, I'm anti, uh, I'm anti-virus. No, that's entirely reasonable. <laughs> that's uh, if that's a if that's a thing that's happening, then that's an entirely reasonable reaction. If hot white girls or hot any <laughs> were were statistically like just getting COVID more, I would not hang out with them. I'm not hanging out with anyone if yeah. if their group has been like you know designated as a high case count. You know, right, right, and and that's a good point. You know, you can when somebody is. Uh, uh, chastising, I don't know the word, uh, but, but, you know, talking about a group of people in terms of their actions uh, versus like you said, their ethnicity, their appearance and so on. Like that's not being politically incorrect. You're just talking about something somebody's doing that they're making a conscious choice to do this. No, I know. It's just so funny. It's funny though, because whenever like, it's almost, it's almost like whenever someone brings up uh, Hillary Clinton or like, but it's like kind of a, a signal to anyone listening that like, okay, while this person may be bringing up a coherent point in the background, they probably got some bad thoughts, you know, like this is a tip of the iceberg. Like if I'm, you know, like if somebody brings yeah. up that they're like, you know, I'm just reading statistically that Hasidic Jews have higher COVID case. It's like, okay, well the fact that you're bringing that up means you probably are testing the waters for some deeper shit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, if you're like, yeah, well, that's what else do you want to talk about? <laughs> right? No, this is it. This is all I have. 
<laughs> yeah, if, if he were to come on and be like, listen, I just want to talk about Hasidic Jews and their high COVID cases. I'm just stating yeah. this is data. <laughs> I'm not sure. You're not going to read this in the New York Times, but it's happening. Yeah. <laughs> Fake news media is hiding. Controlled their- by the synagogues. <laughs> I've been asked several times if I am Jewish by, by Jewish people who like want to help me because that's they're very helpful for people in their community. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's so, so they're like, are you Jewish? I think it was Yom Kippur or something. And cause they wanted to like, I don't know. I think it's, it's, I'm not even sure. I feel it's, it's not great that, that this bit involves like an anti-Semitic twist. And then for the rest of the episode, I'm just sharing my experiences <laughs> with Jewish people. <laughs> we'll put this in the bonus footage. Don't yeah. Worry. Put this in the Patreon, <laughs> put this behind the paywall. Cause you know, who's not going to pay for Patreon. I'll tell <laughs> We're being hypersensitive liberals right now. We need to stop. Yeah, I want to. I want to bring the attention to this Tanahasi Coates book I own. <laughs> Maya Angelou. I have a poster that's in the mail. Um, I'm, a, I'm an ally of all communities. <laughs> Disclaimer. <laughs> Disclaimer. Yeah. You ever think about if there were like all right people listening to this podcast? Like, just say the N word, you pussy. Yeah, right. You can laugh at that. You can laugh at the N word. What was that episode? And they're just so, so like they're just so forceful and stupid and just like I don't know. I think there's a feedback loop a little bit. I don't know of 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 comics. Uh, like I've seen this, and I I love Bill Burr, but his most one of his most recent specials. Um, he just goes hard, like harder than I think he needed to, like against women. <laughs> like there, at a certain point, it just becomes like. All right, Bill. What are you What are you saying here? You know, it's like you've you've probably spent a cumulative three hours of your taped career just bashing women. <laughs> so, like, what do you really think? Um, but I I think there is a to to, to your point, Steve, about like alt right people secretly listening to your podcast and like cheering for the wrong reasons. Um, <laughs> I, I think some comics can get in a feedback loop where their fans like they make jokes about like just doing. A character of an alt-right person and then they attract yeah. people who actually believe it which i think is so yeah yeah <laughs> really rally behind them because they're like these guys are saying what i'm thinking and then they become paying fans and then so those comics have to like cater to that fan base now like they now have a paying alt-right fan base yeah <laughs> they have to uh, do you remember when i'm Am- doing <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like Tim is not all right. He's a kook, but then he's got all these people that are paying for his podcast that he's like, well, I guess I got to release more wacky shit. Yeah. I got Candace Owens <laughs> on yeah. this one. Yeah. You hear comics talk about this PC culture. I think a great way to make politically incorrect jokes is to joke about people who are politically incorrect. So you kind of do this in the in in the bit, but in, in a very like you know in a very innocent way. Whereas, um, you know, other comics can say actual racist things from but because somebody else said them, it makes it okay to joke about. Yeah. Why do you think that there's a difference there in uh, the people like the PC police who are who are listening to comedy like that, where where that's okay, um, whereas saying it yourself is way not okay. I mean, if you put anything in the mouth of a character or a family member, or even if you said it and you're like, my friend said this, you know, like if you put it in someone else's mouth, that's always going to help you distance yourself um, from 
you know, culp- culpability, yep. I guess. I mean, there's some people who are not going to be happy regardless of how you present it. Mm. Yeah. And that's just the case. But um, do you, do you mean in the sense of someone, you know, of being like, yeah, when I was a kid, I was called a, f-, and then they just say the F word or something like, is that going to, yeah. Of- yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there's certain people who, uh, and uh, by that, I mean, bad comics who, who are just like, oh, because I was called a word, I can now use it for the rest of my life in my act or something. <laughs> uh, or, or just use like, uh, you know, use an experience as an excuse to just use a word. Because, like you can totally tell in a bit when someone wrote a bit around getting to use the word. <laughs> I mean, George Carlin, I mean, he's great, but he made, you know, he has that bit where he says the N word multiple times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he talks about how the word itself is neutral. It just is. It, and he talks about the intent of the user. And, uh, I, and I think that's kind of, that, that's probably going to be the, the point that we kind of surmise on this, on the, in this whole episode is that mm-hmm. it's the intent of the person. Like what is political incorrectness to you? Is it, is to it? Me? Yeah. Like how would you define it without using Merriam Webster? <laughs> you see me googling like yeah yeah uh no i'm <laughs> a noun um <laughs> i mean it's tough because you know changes quote, right quote, I mean, what the well, meaning it cha- changes. sure it changes i mean the meaning changes carlin has that bit about like it used to be shell-shocked ptsd like the words just keep getting longer and longer to kind of soften whatever you're talking about as, as opposed to shell-shocked is very visceral you know what I mean? But then it becomes associated or, or like triggering to people um, to use a certain word. So then you have to adapt the word just like mentally retarded. You can't say, you know, retarded. Yeah. And Steve's dropped. I said, mentally yeah. retarded. Steve's yeah. like fucking out of here. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but you know, you, you can't use that because that word has been associated with, you know, uh, a more, more, it's that word has been weaponized more than it has been used to describe an actual condition or something, you know what I mean? So, um, I feel like it, yeah, it, it really, it really changes. It really fluctuates with, with the culture, uh, of, of just the time, how it's being used, like certain words that we're using now won't be allowed. And then we'll be saying new words and it's always going to change. Uh, but I mean, yeah, the, the, the political act of political incorrectness, I think is important because, I think there's, I think that kind of speaks to that it's a little bit unnecessary or a little bit, um, it's about appearances. Like the word political means it's in the context of like, how are you being perceived on a, like, you know, it's almost like you have a certain stock and that can go up or down based on your level uh, of, 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 of political correctness. So I think the word political kind of speaks to that it's a little superficial. I like I, I like the idea that it is perception based um, because what's politically correct or politically incorrect to one person isn't necessarily for the next person. Um, yeah, and it's 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 uh, if you're you know politically incorrect or something, then that 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 uh, can influence a person's perception of you, uh, even though it might not speak to objectively who you are, how you feel. You know, it's just it just is it's almost like a different. Like this is who you are, and then this is your this is your like perception based on how politically correct you are or are not. I think there's like 
You'll go ahead and see. There's some like aspects of it, like where there's you're you're doing things sort of on an accountability level, but then deeper than that. Because if no one's accountable, how would people speak if they weren't if they didn't have to worry about being accountable? Of so yeah. then it comes down to maturity. So are you just like mature? Do you have like empathy? Like it's like things like that. I think empathy is like the ultimate thing there. Totally. So it's like if you weren't accountable, would you still be this mature about it? And it comes down to that. So <clears throat> right. Empathy is a ba- is is a is a basic like it's a baseline of human connection. Like being able to to kind of see from somebody else's perspective. Uh, and in most cases, somebody who is intentionally politically incorrect uh, doesn't harbor much empathy for the people that they're, they're talking about in, in this way that, you know, brings about certain emotions. I mean, I guess politically incorrect is a nice way to say asshole. Yeah, for <laughs> um, sure. But, but again, it's, it's from the perspective of the viewer or the recipient or, you know, whatever, whoever the, the person is, the other person um, in, in the scenario. So again, it goes back to intent. Like, in a lot of cases, I feel like being politically incorrect is a lack of understanding of yeah. what you're talking about. I, I ran into a, a trouble with this when I was in college. And just as you grow up, you kind of learn, like, uh, you know, know your audience, whether that's on stage or just like a group of friends. And um, and in, in college, it's, you know, definitely more liberal leaning. This one, my roommate's girlfriend uh, thought, you know, it's called, thought it was all, you know, I was not bigoted, but she just thought I was like, she called me a casual misogynist, which, uh, you know, my, my roommates were like, no, no, you're not. She doesn't, she just doesn't like you. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, you don't like her. So that's it. But it has nothing to do with um, her gender. It's because she's who she is. Um, right. Where was I going with this? Um, oh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a certain trust that, that you know that I'm, I'm joking. About. Like most people, t- David, to double down on your point, most people who are politically incorrect probably are assholes. And if they're super championing, like, oh, I can say what I want, like, well, that probably means people don't want you to be saying that <laughs> uh, because it's not a good thing to say. Um, but when you're uh, um, among friends or I think more uh, specifically, people who believe and trust that you are a good person, that's when it can really be like you can actually have fun with being politically incorrect because you're at this level. It's like a sleepover level where you're all on the same page even whatever you're saying, we all know that it's in good fun. Like there's no malice behind it. Um, and that's like where you, that's the ideal spot to be in on stage. That's like when you're truly in the pocket, when everyone knows you're joking. And even if you say something that's objectively on paper shitty, mm-hmm. he's just kidding, you know? Right. They need to all be on that page. <laughs> yeah. And that's your job as the comic or even in a friend group is, is like knowing when you can make, uh, an off-color joke and have everyone in the room know that you don't believe that and that you're just making a joke because you're satirizing the idea that someone would say that. And that's a fine line. And some people, some people use that as an excuse. They're like, no, no, no. It's like, no, you believe that you're saying that in a different, you're saying that in a bad way. Yeah. It's definite comics. So you can tell it's like, they're not making fun of the person who's saying that they're the person who's saying that. <laughs> yeah. Having a clear cut character is good. Uh, yes. because if you want to really explore that, put it into a, like a, a short or something and then have good go behind it. Not bad acting, good acting, make it work, cut it right. And then you can, you can really get some laughs from that. 
You know what's funny with the character piece? When I was doing the Hitler sketch, we did two shows. We did an 8 p.m. and then a 10 p.m. At, at, at school. And the alums came to, one of the alums came to the eight and, um, and he was talking to me about how the Hitler sketch went and it went okay. And he's like, for the 10 PM, he's like, you need to play him more flamboyant. He's like, almost be gay Hitler because he's more friend. It's, it's a little less scary if, if Hitler is like, uh, you know, more friendly, more just over the top. And he was right in the 10 PM. I really played him up as this goofy, wacky, like, you know, more flamboyant guy, and it went over uh, much better. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really interesting because, I mean, just something simple is, I mean, you can say the same things, but if you say them in a different way, it creates a totally different connection with people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's that body language, or not body, you know, your inflection and all these subtleties, aside from the, the, the written language there, that really kind of changes everything, and people know it subconsciously. Yeah. Right. Um, from a certain, you have to know yourself too. You have to know like yourself enough to, to be comfortable with, uh, with saying this and then also, you know, knowing that you're not believing it and then being able to convey that. Mm-hmm. Really knowing what you mean and why what you're saying is satire or is ironic. Because when I was watching some of the old recordings of this bit, my delivery wouldn't necessarily convey that I thought it was absurd, you know? And, th- and I didn't like that when I, when I watched it, I'm like, Oh, I get why maybe someone could have been turned off. Right. You have to be self-aware if you're bringing up those topics of how you're delivering it. Um, mm-hmm. You have to be especially self-aware, you know, especially if you're trying to make a point. I, uh, I had a sketch pulled from a show. Uh, it was about, it was about essentially, it was like making fun of the fact that we've lived in a patriarchal, misogynistic, like that goes back to biblical times. Mm -hmm. So the whole thing was uh, John the Baptist was like, I'm paving the way for the Messiah. And everyone's like, you're supposed to be the the guy. Like we want, we're waiting for you. And there's a woman who's like, no, listen to what he's actually saying. And they're, they're like, you know, shut up. You're a woman. You have no place here. I mean, it's been years since I wrote it. I'm not making it sound funny. Um, (laughs) It was like, it, it got a lot of laughs at the table read, but then the head writer was like, hey, uh, we're not going to go forward with your sketch because it's too misogynistic. And I'm like, no, that's what I'm, like, that's what I'm making <laughs> fun of, uh, the misogyny. And, yeah. and, and at the time, like, I, I, was, I was pretty new to, to comedy writing, so I didn't have the, the grasp that I wasn't clear enough about that. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, that's, it's so important. Like you want to be clear, but you don't want to be like spelling it out for people. Right. Like that weird line. Right. You- like everything she would say was like things that eventually happened in history. She was like, had this clairvoyant point of view. Nobody wanted to listen to her because she was a woman. It's funny, but that maybe wouldn't have been conveyed, especially if you wrote, wrote this when you were like, you know, it, it, like a, further away uh, ago when you were younger. That's what I mean. Yeah. This uh, was seven years ago. So. Yeah. And, and you like, you're like, no, this happened in history, but no one in the audience knows that no one in the audience knows that you're referencing a specific historical happening. They're just like, I guess David thinks this is what women are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they suck. <laughs> so, uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of political incorrectness or, or, uh, like misunderstanding of other people is misconstrued as, as political incorrectness. And, uh, you know, I kind of want to dive into that a little bit. Um, you know, if you, if you live a sheltered lifestyle, you're not necessarily malicious toward people who aren't like you. Uh, you're more, you don't know. 
and you haven't done, you haven't had to do the research. You haven't had to like live it. Um, I think what do, you mean, by, what do you mean by sheltered? Like, so I, I grew up in the suburbs of Akron, Ohio, like a uh-huh. middle-class upper middle-class area. And, uh, white, I mean, even white collar, like there weren't a lot of, there weren't a lot of brown, black, like Asian, Latino. There weren't, there weren't, there wasn't diversity. Um, sure. And one of the best things that ever happened to me was living in Brooklyn and live and just immersing myself in a totally different culture and a totally different community and seeing that, Oh, it's not the way it's portrayed on TV or, you know, yeah. Movies and stuff. Yeah. Um, whereas like I go back home and then I, and I see that like just misunderstanding with the black lives matter rallies were happening. They didn't understand what was going on. Sure. And it's not that they were being uh, politically incorrect uh, because they were, are, assholes it's just they don't have a frame of reference for it yeah i mean they're 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 getting um <clears throat> and this does go back to kind of the, the media is they're getting this packaged uh report of what's going on without really understanding what's good like before i moved back to new york uh in like august or something from maryland there was a lot of shootings uh shootings were up i think like a hundred percent um and it was some were just random like some you know, and I did a little sketch about this, about like a mom who's comforted by the likelihood that all shootings are gang related. She's mm-hmm. like, well, don't these guys know each other? Like, it's it's not just random, you know. <laughs> it, um, if you don't have beef, what do you have to worry about? Uh, <laughs> but, it, you know, it, you just read that number. You're like, oh, shootings are up 100%. Holy shit, I'm going to go there and get shot. But then you're walking around the neighborhood. You're like, no, it's, it's, it's really okay. Like, you can see a number or see a three-minute news clip and think that the whole world is in chaos, and uh, which is, I think, how a lot of the middle of the country has been <laughs> a little, you know, brainwashed yeah. to thinking that things are a lot worse than they are. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but, <My dad>. but, <laughs> yeah, but with shelteredness, I mean, shel- so I would almost say that shelteredness can, can lead to, you know, you're kind of susceptible to this fear-mongering around cities, around socialism, racial issues, whatever, everything's super heightened. So, and that fear leads to hate. And um, I mean, even when I came here, like I'll, I'll admit this and I was kind of troubled by it. I was talking to my friends about it when I moved to Crown Heights, which is a predominantly, my neighborhood is black. And I went, I was walking down the street and I got hit on the shoulder by this guy with his shoulder. And it was a scam. He dropped his, his bag. He tried to get me to pay for what was in his bag, which was like a pretty broken wine bottle. And uh, he was like, you know, hey man, I'm, I'm not going to jump you. I just want to talk like men. And I'm like, well, you just brought up jumping me. So I'm not enthralled by that. that yeah. Happened. And so, you know, I didn't pay him anything. I walked kind of briskly away, but I was a little like shaken up by that. It was, you know, like two weeks into living in my neighborhood. And, and that, so I was like scared. I'm like, is this a city? Like the next day I wanted to go for a walk outside, but it was after dark. So I'm like, I don't know if I feel like safe. And I've gotten past that, but there was, and I'll cop to it, like an internal of like, oh, this is a different neighborhood. Like it's predominantly black. I came from a predominantly Asian Latino neighborhood. Like I know what they're up to. What are these guys that, you know, it's just like mm-hmm. this, this, this monologue of just like fear runs through your head and contributes to a lot of othering and just putting, putting uh, just like fear and everything onto just a certain type of person. And it's shitty, but it's so easy to happen if you do feel scared or uneasy to, to, to just label something or someone or a group of people as uh, risky or dangerous or something when that's, you know, 
maybe just one experience you had or one news thing you read, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You don't know what you don't know. All right. The media is weird because um, it's, it's the irony of the people that don't trust the media are also the same people that buy into all the media stereotypes that they've been fed for the last 30 years. Yeah. Like you gotta, you gotta be a little bit more consistent there, buddy. Yeah. There, there's a layer of cognitive dissonance that is hilarious when it comes to people who are, who are intentionally politically incorrect. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, with that fear, it is, there is this uh, kind of twisted comfort in being like, Oh, well these, these, these people, this area, this city, this, this, this socialist mindset, whatever, that, that's the problem. Going on, except for what's happening over there, you know. Right. Othering. Um, yeah, I've never been there, but I've never uh, been there, but definitely it's not good. Yeah, yeah. it's better. My dad was like, "You see what's happening in in these liberal run cities like New York? I mean, it, it's burning." I'm like, "Nothing's burning, buddy." <laughs> they showed one cop car on fire. That's the one thing they showed because they're tra- sensationalizing. And yeah, I mean, also kid. people. People are, yeah, because fucking black people are being slaughtered by the police. I mean, like, it's a, it's a pretty righteous anger, but, like, they're, he's not a part of that community. Like, he's just, you know, you're choosing to, to see, you're like, oh, I think the cops are great. So the fact that they don't like the cops, well, they must not be great. Right. <laughs> right. It's a very narrow mindset. Um, but uh, sorry, it's a shit on your dad. <laughs> no, it's, it, I agree with it. It's, it's, it's a limited worldview. And, and that's the thing, uh, by calling somebody like an like politically incorrect, um, I mean, it's a, you have an opportunity to connect with those people um, to broaden their worldview. And, and that's the, the fine line that we have to figure out how to balance. Like, how do we communicate that with them? And comedy is a great way to do it. Uh, if you can introduce a little bit of like political incorrectness into your material. Um, if you are pr- performing in front of like a, a more, uh, you know, we can't say anything anymore audience <laughs> and get them to laugh at their own, the absurdity of that statement. Um, it's a great, it's a great way to connect. And a lot of it does come from a misunderstanding and by, by demonizing somebody who, uh, who leans into that political incorrectness, you're almost doing a disservice. Uh, there's no conversation there. Some people you can't converse with, true, but uh, yeah, uh, in most cases it is a misunderstanding or like they're overcompensating for something. Um, and uh, Rachel Feinstein has that that bit about her mom in the cab because there's being like, you can be politically incorrect by trying to be too politically correct, <laughs> if that makes yes. any sense. So there's that. That. Is a, that is a ripe territory for mom targeted humor because mom... Yes. Uh, take the cake when it comes to that. That's kind of what I'm doing in the Hamilton video. Like moms have really good intent, but it really comes out wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah, this whole bit plays on those, on some of those stereotypes. So Jeremy, take away uh, Rachel Feinstein from Conan, I think it is. It's good to be here. It's good to be away. I was, uh, I've been in New York and my parents just came to visit me. It's a lot when they come up. My mother is aggressively liberal. Like her dream for me, I think, would be if I married a Nigerian lesbian. I think that's what she wants. <laughs> she was praying that one of us was gay. That's all she's ever wanted, just one gay kid. She was just sitting in the kitchen waiting. Like, there's Coco if anyone feels gay and wants to talk about it. <laughs> 
And whenever she visits me in New York, she always tries to bond with the cab driver and apologize for Trump. It's intense. <laughs> she gets she gets off the train with just a very jazzed up energy. She's always wearing some sort of long menopausal cape and just <laughs> she's just ready to build some cultural bridges in her Navajo smock. <laughs> she has one of those overly spiked soccer mom haircuts like her hair just keeps getting more and more angular and furious she looks a lot like vanilla ice at this point <laughs> and whenever she gets into a cab she always reads the name tag she likes to bite into an ethnic name and honor it she'll be like excuse me Sarah Hanjay what a marvelous name what region is that? I'm like, he's not a wine. He's a man, Karen. Leave him alone. The worst part of his day is that you have access to his name right now. <laughs> I just want to say, Sarah Hanjay, that I am so sorry for these terrible things that President Trump has been saying about Muslims. I'm like, that's not the way to say it, actually. I think that was the racist way to say it. Right. She goes, we think Muslims are fantastic, Sarah Hanch. And you are certainly welcome in my neighborhood. He's just glaring at her like, I'm Sikh, you white bitch. Get out of my cab. Yeah, she's so funny. I mean, you could even hear, though, in the beginning when she said, uh, uh, my mother's dream for me is like to marry a Nigerian lesbian. People laughed but they uh, they abruptly stopped it was very like ah are you please make this okay yeah, yeah. they're a little worried they're like oh no is this going to be an anti-gay bit like people are kind of dumb because maybe they've seen bad comedy or, or something or they're just you know the audiences on on late night shows are a little more uh probably like rachel's mom yeah a more reserved like oh no you know <laughs> very disney <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah, a little more Disney-oriented. So you, I feel like, could you guys tell in the beginning, probably 30 seconds, like she's obviously, you know, I'm not going to, she's hilarious, but uh, in the first 30 seconds, it seemed like the audience was not fully uh, with her. And then she got them, obviously, but um, they were a little, you know, cagey. Mm -hmm. Right, that buy-in, that if, if anybody's feeling gay, I got some cocoa and you want to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, she's she does a good, and then visiting New York and like bridging cultural divides, wearing her Navajo smock. I mean, it's a it's a visual. She kind of sets that up. Everybody knows that person visiting New York. In fact, many of them may be in the audience. And then uh, and then talking about the cab driver, like the worst part of his day is the fact that you have access to his name. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. she's a get out mom. Yeah, <laughs> apologizing for Trump. I mean, so. Yeah. It, it, little things along the way. And it's just like it, the whole angle is she's overcompensating uh, for people being politically correct or being politically incorrect uh, by being too politically correct that it's politically incorrect. She's, right. So the Muslim, she's talking about Muslim. She's talking about Muslim. She's pronouncing it Muslim. And, uh, and then um, he's Sikh. And that's, I, yeah, you're, I had a joke about this that I did early on that was uh, about like my mom will be accidentally racist because mm -hmm. she's like when we're in a restaurant and she's trying to describe someone that I don't see, like I like to count how many adjectives she uses before she says they're black. Yeah. 
He's, um, okay. Uh, he has two kids. They look like him, but not, you know, cause they're related. That's the only re and you know, just like stepping her way into these problematic situations, which is like, that's like the perfect, uh, that pocket for a mom character is inadvertently stepping into a situation where now you're the bad guy. Mm-hmm. My grandma's a perfect example of that kind of person. She's, I don't see color. She loves saying that. Yeah. Like, Shut yeah, up, yeah. Grandma. Stop yeah. it, Grandma. <laughs> <laughs> Again, let's reference a Mark Norman bit that yeah. <laughs> I don't see color. Oh, okay. Then I'm black. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um. Again, like it's just drawing attention to political incorrectness in a way that is uh, that it's funny and like most people don't mean to be, and the people who do, uh, they are more than ripe for uh, ridicule. And yeah, well, it's drawing attention to like the world isn't black and white, and it's not. You can't just say these overarching statements. Just like Rachel's mom is overgeneralizing, trying on on in it with the good intent of like I'm so sorry about you know Trump's treatment of these Muslims. Without knowing his religious background, he might not be a Muslim. <laughs> like, you have no idea. Right. Uh, so I hope in our lifetimes we see people um, treating one another the way that we're treating them because of who they are as a person. Like, versus, mm-hmm. oh, you're you're Italian, that means this. You know, that's, it's a quick general. I'll never treat an Italian like a person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's lay that on the table right now. They're not All people. right, so you can treat me like 75% of a person. Cool. All right, sweet. Yeah. Sweet. What is, what is your ethnic background, Dave? Uh, white and a little bit of Italian. <laughs> white where? Where? Uh, mostly German. Mm. Yeah. You hit, you hit that behind the white, did you? What's that? <laughs> I'm not German. I'm white. I'm not yeah, German. Yeah. I'm not German. It's all right. My family moved over here before the thing. The thing. The time. <laughs> the happening. Yeah. yeah. The happening. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, so being uh, being intentionally politically politically incorrect, you're just being an asshole, or you're trying to make a point. It's funny to be wrong intentionally. Yeah, it's funny to be wrong intentionally and double down on that, so that people, you know, in a joking context, so that people understand how absurd the things are that we say. Like I don't see color, like your grandma or that Norman bit is a ridiculous over correction. Mm-hmm. And so going either way, it's. Um, it's 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 funny to just I don't know it's it's funny to be wrong it's funny to be wrong and then inherently being uh, by being wrong pointing out that it is wrong right that's a that's a habit people have is like trying to be right trying to have the perception that no I know what I'm talking about always I'm an expert I'm always right when in reality no one's ever always right and that's yeah. where the comedy comes in is in no. the end of that charades bit I'm wrong yeah I'm the guy I'm the evil one you know yeah. Uh, and and in the end of uh, Rachel's bit, her mom's wrong. Yeah, you know, you, you're you're kind of uncomfortable, and then the guy reveals it with the final punch. Is like, well, that's not actually my religion, you idiot. Yeah, <laughs> you white bitch. Quote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, that's a great way to do it to to communicate that message. Just like, no, I'm wrong. They're wrong, and here's why. And here's why it's funny. And the, and the way to. I mean, being able to connect with an audience that believes the. Th- like the way that Rachel's mom does or the way somebody who is actually is misogynistic and be able to laugh at the fact that they're wrong. Like that is the, that is the sweet spot of comedy. I would be uh, remiss. I'm realizing if I didn't share this 
quick, quick story about I was at a, I was in Boston and I was doing that joke about the accidental racist and my mom, you know, and um, it was a, my friend Gabe was running the mic and he didn't usually run it, um, but it was just a crazy night. And, uh, and, and people were loud. There was a lot of people just in, in the bar at that time. And I was on stage and I was relatively new and I did that joke. And I think this guy only caught a few words of it, like maybe caught that I said black or that I was just talking about race for maybe too long for what I look like. And so he stood up and he's like, Hey man, sit your ass down. Like he stood up and yelled him. And, and then I promptly got off stage and I thought <laughs> over and then he, he ran up to me and he started like, he got in my face and he was, he was like, man, that's, how could you say that? And everything. And, um, and when he later actually went on stage, uh, cause it was a mixed mic and he, he sang a beautiful rendition of what's going on by Marvin Gaye. And uh, so that made everything, uh, very- <laughs> like, so I hate, funny. I hate you. I love you. I mean, my heart, <laughs> my heart's going out to you, buddy. Cause this is a beautiful song. I just knocked over my whole mic. Um, but yeah, that was a brutal. And then that was the last mic they ever did there. I don't think it was because of me, but, um, yeah, it was, it was, a, it was, a, it was a pretty brutal night, but he had just caught a few words of what I was saying, I think, or maybe he just hated me and my comedy. You know, what's really funny is I had a very similar experience for, from about three months into comedy. This would have been like 2012. And he's the, I went to this open mic and, um, there were some hecklers there. They looked like the villains from like home alone. Cause one was really big and one was really tiny and they were like, Hey, and they, they were really weird guys. They looked like criminals. They were kind of, but, um, they, uh, they were heckling the whole show. And then I did this joke about them. It was a metaphor. It wasn't, I didn't just call them child molesters. Right. But I called them that as part of a larger joke that I went through, like comparing them to child molesters. Like it was a metaphor. And they like, all they heard was, child molesters because they were so busy heckling me back that they weren't right. even listening to what I was saying. And so yeah. they got up and the one guy like threatened to like kick my ass. And then, uh, that open mic did get canceled because of me. And that was crazy. It was really weird. Well played. Uh, yeah. He, he, if, they're, if they're not listening and they've made up their mind, then you're just going to get, uh, get reams. Um, right. you, you could be like, the joke is about my mom. <laughs> I don't care. I makes it worse. Like, <laughs> Speaking of the more jokes about moms, uh, Joe Coy has one that I found um, about his mom's racism. And uh, I mean, it's not like a malicious racism, um, yeah. but it's, I mean, and it's not even that strong of a bit. I'm not setting this up well. Uh, <laughs> and he sucks and I don't really respect him. But it's, it's a good point. Like he, you know, stereo, using stereotypes as... Like this could be misconstrued as uh, politically incorrect, but the way he tells it, um, the audience is totally on board with it. So, um, Jeremy, Joe Coy. No one is more indirectly racist than Filipino moms. <laughs> My sister's about to marry her fiance. He's dark. He's dark, darker than you. <laughs> My sister got the darkest one. There's, there's black, and then there's nighttime. Andre is nighttime. Andre used to kill it in hide-and-seek when he was a kid. Didn't even have to hide, just closed his eyes like that. Where are you, Andre? Right here, motherfuckers. I win again. You should have seen how my mom acted when, when she met Andre for the first time. 
When he walked into the house, my mom went like this. <laughs> Put my purse in the room. Put my purse in the room. I got so mad at my mom. I took her to the kitchen. I was like, Mom, are you kidding me? Just because he's black, you want me to put your purse in the room. Are you kidding me right now? And then she got mad at me and made me feel like the racist. Some Filipino Jedi shit. She just looked at me, she goes, oh, just because he's black, Joseph, and I told you to put my purse in the room, you think your mother is a racist? Wow, Joseph. Wow. Wow. I would do that with any stranger, Joseph. White, black, Latino, Asian. I don't care. If I don't know you, put my purse in the room. That's a Louis Vuitton. I go, Mom, you know what you did. Stop right now. You're making Andre feel very uncomfortable. And my mom looked at me, she goes, I'm not making him feel uncomfortable. You are bringing me into the kitchen to talk to me. Are you kidding me right now? I'm doing everything to make Andre feel comfortable. I'm frying chicken. I put basketball on the TV. Out of everything you could have cooked tonight, you decided to fry chicken. Joseph, they love chicken. <laughs> they love chicken, Joseph. Right when I said that, Andre walked into the kitchen. He's like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. I know y'all's in the kitchen. Um, quick question. Um, are y'all frying chicken? <laughs> and my mom goes, uh, yes, Andre, we're, we're frying chicken. <laughs> but if you don't like chicken, I can, I can cook something else. It, if, if you don't like chicken. <laughs> and Andre was like, oh, no, no, no. I love chicken. I, I eat it every day. And then he walked out of the kitchen. And then my mom looked at me and she went like this. I told you. I mean, that's me. He's so personable. He's so like, mm -hmm. yeah. His performance it, uh, makes that joke, makes that bit. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. It, if he was just like deadpan delivering it, no. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> like, oh, we think his mom's racist. Again, it's a misunderstanding. It's a, an overcompensation, and there's truth to it. To both, like, there's truth to their misunderstanding and, and the overcompensation. Because that is I, what I assume is a mostly true story. Yeah, he goes through a lot. I mean, the, the whole nighttime thing. Um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm assuming that the audience is pretty... I, I assume this is in, like, the middle-esque of his set. Right. Because he does go into a few holes where it's like, uh, yeah, if, if, they, if they weren't on board, they would not... People might not love this. Right. Uh, yeah, but he's so personal. I mean, just the way that he's... Even his, the way he's moving his head and smiling. And he even breaks in the middle of it to kind of wink at the audience. Mm -hmm. He has a few winks to the audience. Yeah, I, 
I've seen him live and uh, he's, it, he's just a very likable, he has that persona where it's like, he's talking to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, even though there's an arena full or a theater full of people, you know, again, um, externalizing the, uh, the, the political incorrectness um, you have to make the person endearing in a way you have to give them a likable quality because I mean, if you watch any show where the, where the main character is a piece of shit, like they do, they at least do something that, that makes the audience like them. You know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Likeability is so huge. That's the, I think it's the most, it's weird, but it's kind of the most important part. Um, I mean, well, the jokes are the most important, like being funny, but if you don't have the likability, it's not going to happen. Like there's this, I'm not going to say his name necessarily, but he's so, so funny, but, um, he can come off as pretty abrasive sometimes. And so I know he's, you know, hilarious. I've seen him, but audiences seeing him for the first minute are like, I, you know, I've seen him like booed before, mm-hmm. uh, like consistently. So, uh, or kill or destroy, but it really depends on what, how, how the audience is feeling. Like he doesn't necessarily have the ability to 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 convert them. It's like you're coming with me or you're off board. You're not on the train. There's so many layers to having that kind of persona. If you do want to to say something uh, that that can be construed as uh, politically incorrect, like there's there's more to it than just what you're hearing, and and not enough people give um, a chance. To that person, but if you if you're a person and you over and over again betray people's uh, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. willingness to give you a chance, then okay, then let's make then we can make fun of you. Like then we can make fun of what you're saying. Then yeah, well, there's I mean, that's the job of the comedian to 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 you know pretty immediately convince them that that it's going to be okay. Yeah. Uh, so that's part of the that's kind of part of the job is like you can only kind of complain so much about the audience not giving you the benefit of the doubt if you're going up and, you know, it's been a minute and uh, everyone thinks you're racist. Right. In the, in the culture that we live in today, too, um, if you're a comic that gets canceled, uh, they don't mean the stuff they say that they're canceled for. Um, in yeah. many cases, there's an underlying message as to why they said it. The comics that are... Uh, not getting booked the comics that are like, but for example, uh, dice, what he, his, he hasn't changed his, his style in 25 years uh-huh. and that doesn't fly today. So yeah. Yeah. You know, you got to adjust to that. What does that even mean? Can't, you know, it's like maybe you don't get industry uh, propped up by the industry or something, but then you have your, you know, you probably have, your own fan base, because if you're getting canceled, that means that you were at a level of, of, uh, no, you were kind of at a tipping point of like, Oh, you're either going to be kind of an industry, you know, comedy central comic, or you're going to have to go on your own path because they don't accept, you know, this some joke you made. Um, my ex brought up a great point about cancel culture though, that if, if it's truly, if it is truly benign, whatever it is. Um, and, and, and it's, it's, you know, truly like it's gonna they'll be okay like so there she was she was making an argument that there's not really even such thing as as, as quote cancel culture because um if they truly were kidding they'll probably be fine you know yeah. and you people get stuff taken away from them but like kevin hart you know he wasn't kidding when he was like yeah if my son was gay i would prefer that he were not gay yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> like refused to apologize so there's there's those things where you're like well okay it wasn't really a, a joke um 
it's weird because like you even even hearing that i automatically want to be like well he probably meant that it's harder for for gay people you know but like no one no one probably followed up about that yeah because right. you know especially for people in high up positions like that you don't even want to give them the benefit of the doubt because it's like you're already doing very well so we're just going to take you to there is like a schadenfreude about people ganging up on on people to take them down without giving them the benefit of the doubt because that is there is some inherent like joy people get out of that i think right and i think like who's being the worst person here you know who's who's really like let's let's define political uh, incorrectness and what you're doing right now on a societal standpoint from a societal standpoint is assuming guilt before even looking right. at the facts like who's the worst person here yeah and that that line uh can definitely flip like like the person originally does something wrong and then it's a wave of like do you remember that woman who tweeted this was a while ago she tweeted like on my way to africa hope i don't get aids and then when the plane landed she had like lost her job like oh yeah where she got on the plane landed her whole life was different and um and that that i think was when all this you know kind of started coming to the forefront more of people actually being concerned about like, holy shit, everything can be taken away from you uh, if right. you say the wrong thing. And that's totally an overcompensation. I mean, she shouldn't have said that and that's not a really funny joke, but still, you know, but it, it I don't know. It, it really depends on what kind of position you are in life. Like if you're not a comedian, probably don't tweet that. <laughs> like, what are you doing? You know, you live in a political world because you, you're a professional there's politics and appearances to be upheld in a professional setting. So if you're not a comedian, there's really no reason to tweet an AIDS joke. Right. I love that. Besides, uh, I don't want her to get canceled and her life ruined, but I also don't think that she needs a platform. Right. Yeah. Sad <laughs> how there's like the political aspect of it, but then there's also the fact that they're just going to lose money. And that's one of the biggest reasons people get canceled. Just the money, the revenue loss of mm-hmm. possible revenue loss. What do, what do you mean? It's it's like there is like the whole political side and there the the val- the validity of canceling someone just because they're an asshole or whatever yeah you know, for sure however you want to boil it down but also just the fact that there is a marketing risk there <laughs> and that's one of the biggest reasons people get canceled yeah, yeah like uh, Roseanne uh, I mean that was yeah a lot of like ad- well but that's just kind of like because people don't want assholes to get more money. Right. Yeah. yeah. Actually, do come out of as as racist or saying something. Why? Like I don't even remember what Roseanne said, but it was. I feel like it was not great. She yeah. said that the lady, uh, some lady, looked like she was from Planet of the Apes. Yeah. Yeah. Even though yeah. she looks exactly like Roseanne Barr, that's what I thought was. Really <laughs> it's like looking in a monkey mirror. <laughs> right. There. There was a pattern there. You know, it's not like it was the first time Roseanne had said something like that. So. Ambien. Yeah. She thought it was Ambien. But, and that's the thing, like, if I, if I say something I deserve, I mean, I, I would, I would rather you call me out. I'm, I'm willing to take that, but give me For the sure. chance to explain myself. Like, give me the chance to, to kind of show the nuance. Don't already, like, what you said was wrong. Explain a little bit more and, and then we'll go from there. Have you, David, gotten into hot water? Uh, have you had an instance where someone's really like, uh, you know either during a set or after a set come up to you and really giving you the business? Um, I, I tell a joke about how um, 
there are more in 2000. I mean, I, I bring it up every once in a while, but in 2018, more kids were killed in schools than uh, American military members in active war zones. Wow, that's crazy. And and so and the whole joke is that is a great way to get kids to join the military. Like that's great marketing. <laughs> That's funny. You, know, you could stay in school or you could go to sunny Syria. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you want to die or go yeah. to Afghanistan? <laughs> or, or, or do you want to serve our country? Uh, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and 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 uh, one dude, um, I was at Broadway Comedy Club, actually. Uh, I was I was in a, a comedy festival and one dude was like, you can't say that. And I was like, I don't want to say that. But like <laughs> the point, you're, you're, you're missing my point. This <laughs> is the reality is, we live in. Yeah, we should yeah. probably stop... Uh, do something about school shootings. I'm not saying like more military people should be killed. And so I was like, I allowed my, you know, I, uh, I, was, I explained it that way. And, and he was like, right. Oh, was he going at the angle that like this guy doesn't support the troops? Right. Cause that's the point. I know why I'm telling this joke. I have a reason behind it. I have like a hopeful message that no, there's something that we need to do about this. Like, even though some of the things I say are dark, I'm an optimist. So the fact that I'm bringing it up is like, okay, now that it's out there, let's do something about it. That's always my message. Uh, and there are some jokes that I write that are just dark and then I say it once or twice and then get a bad reaction. I'm like, Oh, that's it's cause it's not in my voice. I'm not going to use mm-hmm. that. I'm not going to say that again. Yeah. So, um, so I don't run it. Well, yeah, I've had some jokes that are, um, I think they're funny. And then I'm like, I don't really have any business. saying this. <laughs> right. <laughs> Where it was Steve. like, do you think, do you think the guy, do you think people who only had one slave in the South fought in the civil war? Or were they like, you know, I'm just going to wash my own dishes. I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> and then everyone, uh, no one really liked that joke. Uh, I mean, like comics would sometimes be like, oh, that's a funny point. But it's like, <laughs> no one no one was really asking for that opinion. Yeah. Right. I see where you're coming from there. Yeah. Steve, you? Uh, n- I was trying to think of any instances, but... There really aren't not 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 that I can remember, but one thing I distinctly remember from another comedian years ago was we were at LVT and there was a very conservative family. You could just see it. They were sitting around eating dinner. They didn't know there was gonna be a comedy show. Ryan DePerna goes up and he does his joke about how he saw the bumper sticker that said USA one, bin Laden zero. And he's like, I think the actual number is bin Laden or USA one, bin Laden three thousand five hundred and sixty-eight <laughs> or something like that. And then they got up and they were like we're leaving. That's funny. Is, and that, then, is that how many people died in the Twin Towers? Something like that. It Well, yeah. total 9-11. I think a better joke would have been, uh, I don't want to punch up his joke, but you, no, know, no. Uh, you know, USA 1, Bin Laden 2, Towers. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right. You crossed the line. As long as you're not like, haha, people died. It's like, what's the intention there? But people get turned off just by the, the mere mention of the topic. So it's like, it's one of those things. It has like, to be funny enough to justify broaching the topic. Like that. Absolutely. Bit that I just did. It's like, it's amusing, but it's not funny enough to justify bringing up slavery. Yeah. That's a lot of tension that you just built. And yeah. exactly. And for like a little bit, like a kind of a, you know, yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. oh. <laughs> laughing. If you were to have any advice for a uh, comedian that wants to do a bit that is joking about people being politically incorrect, follow that thread. Uh, what would you, what would you say? How would you like tell them to craft a joke like that? Or if you were I mean, to joke say like that? the N word first, ask questions later. <laughs> I, I, that's what I think. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
it's going to be on national news. That's all I'll take. <laughs> That's the only sound bit I take. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is not going to be on national news. Uh, I, I mean, I really think you you have to be. I think word choice is super important, and knowing what affects people, and and knowing what is um, what's not not non consensually, but kind of forcing. Uh, an image into someone's head as opposed to letting them come to their own conclusion about it. At least that's the way that, that I do it. I, I think, I think um, it's, it's really, if, if you're broaching a subject, the funniness has to be equal to or more than the gravity or the possible offensiveness of a subject. So like slavery, pedophilia, the Holocaust, whatever you want to talk about, like you got to have, if you're going to broach it, you got to have a, a funny reason. You can do a joke about, uh, the easy button or like automatic doors or something. And um, it doesn't have to be that funny because you're not, you have no risk of losing people. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. If you're going to, if you're going to approach a politically dicey subject, uh, you could lose people. So the, the payoff has to be worth the tension uh, that you're building or else it's going to be like, wow, you took us down this road for that. That's what we, uh, that's what we trusted you for. <laughs> that was bullshit. <laughs> Yeah, you got to meet the the gravity of the situation. I'm here for that. Cool, man. Yeah, and, and words that smile. I mean, honestly, yeah, that's huge. Unless you're really going for a character piece and and you're trying to be Jessel Necky, which my advice would be, don't try to do. That. Yeah, probably not going to work. You're probably not that hardworking or smart enough to pull that off. So. Right. If any new comics are listening to that, uh, probably don't try to be Jessel Neck unless you, you know, really think that's what you what you are. Uh, they need to like you before any of this is even possible. So smile, you know, have a have a fun time. Like, remember that you are at a comedy show and not at a at a rally that's anti PC. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> have, have fun. Make sure that the words you're choosing are uh, not asking people to go to places that they're not comfortable with before, you know, you hook them. Um, but then once you hook them, like, I think if you're making a cohe- like a good point, like, I think that the key thing about the charades joke is that it makes a good point. Like the two options, if you get China or you can win or you can hold back and be politically correct and, and, and try to be sensitive about it, you know, use chops, mm-hmm. you're going to lose the game. Like, so, and I've tried to think of a third option and you, I, can't so i think that's the the crux is also that it's there's an aha moment where people are like oh that is true so if there's truth if there's truth and solid writing behind uh, a subject then i really don't think there's something that you can't talk about zach where can we find you on social media and this is your chance to plug anything that you're working on or any videos or whatever so plug it plug it up um, uh, you can find me on YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram at uh, Zach Russell Comedy, Z A C H R U S S E L L Comedy, no spaces. Uh, and then Twitter, Russell two underscores mania, because Russell one underscore mania was taken. And I am coming out with a, a, a podcast probably in December, potentially 2021, called Overshadowed, which is about the siblings of famous and infamous people. So for the first episode, we cover Bartholomew Columbus, who killed, you know, only half as many 
people as his older, as his younger brother. <laughs> ah, he was, he was the golden child. He was one of the good ones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, but there's some pretty interesting um, and uh, amusing stories about the siblings of people who change the world. Uh, and they're generally little shits. So yeah, that, that's a podcast. So I guess keep an eye out for that. It's not released, so you can't find it. <laughs> Yet. Yet. All right. So just as a reminder to all of you listening, remember, you got to build trust and uh, yeah, 100% be true. And uh, you can laugh at that. That's right. <laughs> Special thanks to Gold Knox Studio. You can find Golden Ox Studio for all your podcasting needs at goldenoxstudio.com. Uh, hit up Jeremy. He is fantastic to work with, professional. Uh, he makes podcasting easy. And uh, if, you're, if you've been kicking the tires on starting your own podcast, definitely give Golden Ox Studio a look. If you'd like to weigh in on today's topic, follow us on Twitter at You Can't Laugh Pod. Or like us on Facebook if you can't laugh at that and tell us how you did laugh at today's topic or how you didn't. This is all about the conversation, is what I'm saying. All right. Bye.